0: I want to say thank you. I mean, that's just where we have got to begin. We just returned on Friday night late, seven of us uh, that traveled uh, to this incredible island of Cuba. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your gifts. Uh, We're going to be showing you, I think about 75 pictures and videos and everything take you on a journey. Uh, This was the team where we traveled, starting on the left, yours truly, and then Wayne with the thumbs up over there. You're going to be hearing from Wayne a little bit later. And then James, my son, James, videographer that for the church, he travels with us, Pastor Justin Mendiola, he's a police officer that is not here today, he's working, Austin Foxworthy is our children's pastor, he's preaching, Daryl Wright is our uh, contact in Cuba, uh, right here, AJ Venegas, used to be a pitcher, professional with the Dodgers, that's why we brought him to Cuba, he was a rock star. And then uh, John right here, John attends followers, but he actually is out of state and um, great guy. And um, you'll only be hearing from Wayne and myself just because all the other team is away. Let's talk about uh, just Cuba a little bit. Cuba's just uh, the largest island in the Mediterranean and uh, just 90 miles off the coast of Florida, a communist country. What's that? Oh, in the Caribbean, excuse me. Yeah. I said Mediterranean. There you go. That would be a miracle. So in the Caribbean and uh, communist, 1959, Fidel Castro. We kind of know about that. And ever since, been a communist country. Um, the, the island. Many confess to be Catholic, and you kind of think, oh, it's you know Catholic, but ten. It's less than 10 percent of all the quote Catholics even attend uh, Catholic mass, so to speak. This is a country that's dominated by Santeria. Santeria. And we're going to be talking about that a little bit. This is a voodoo type based cultish, um, uh, mystic, really satanic uh, system of belief. And you're going to be hearing more about it that brings many people into bondage. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that. But in the midst of of, of, of this and the spiritual battles economically and, and spiritually and even from the government, which we'll talk about, there is an amazing work of God that is happening in Cuba. For example, this will just give you the big picture. In 1993, there are 1,100 house churches. The Cuban government does not allow the church to have land to build church buildings. This forces the church into homes. And now today there are 28,000 house churches in Cuba. It's unbelievable what God is doing. It's one of the fastest birthing of churches in the history of Christianity, probably only second really to, to China in terms of just numbers. And it's phenomenal what God's doing. And it doesn't surprise us. Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. That's his promise to God's people everywhere, even when the gates of Hades seeks to come against it, uh, Jesus builds his church. And it's really, honestly, it's in the most difficult areas of the world that we see the greatest movements of church growth happening. And uh, it's where Hades is pushing back. So this is us flying into Cuba, the island. This is a picture I took out my window. Actually, I was walking on the wing right there. No, never mind. Uh, as we flew in, we, you know, Cuba's a long island. We flew in over here to Camagüey, where we landed. We're working from the east to the west. We would end up in Havana. And uh, so here's a picture of our team there. The first place we went was to uh, a pastor named Juan, his uh, church. Uh, if you know anything about Cuba, and maybe you do, you think about all these classic cars. Really, Cuba is stuck in the 30s and the 40s and the 50s. Communism has just shut down any kind of really, you know, development. Uh, socialism is just a joke. If you, I know it's kind of a political thing right now, and a lot of people are, you know, think it's great. Travel to socialist country, please. Just go there, and afterwards, you will completely change your mind and realize we live in the greatest country in the world. Uh, but, you know, let's leave politics aside And I just want you to see uh, the team there. This pastor I'm going to talk about a lot right now. This is Pastor Juan. When we arrived, uh, because again the church uh, is in houses, uh, what we see in Cuba is (laughs) uh, oftentimes the government will not allow even building onto your home and so they have to do it rather quickly and behind the scenes And so this is a construction of the second story of a church, house church. And in order for it to happen, our pastor called in 70 church planters and they did it in like a day. And this is a video of what is going on. Well, right now you're uh, witnessing how a house church gets built in Cuba. Uh, Pastor needed to put the second floor in his church so he called out 70 other house churches showed up they're doing this in one day it's so exciting to see what god's doing all over cuba and just how the family of god comes together to make something awesome happen that's reaching hundreds of people for christ here in cuba isn't that beautiful the body of christ coming together it's just incredible And by the way, all the pastors you're going to see, we support. We support over 100. In a few months, you'll have opportunity to support some of these pastors like we do. We support over 700 around the world as a church. In Cuba, uh, it's a little over 100. So we show up the next day. We're all scheduled to preach, teach, share in the church service. This is that house church. It's standing room only. We're scheduled to preach. We can't even get in the house. We thought about, do we need to take that roof down? No, no. Lower Wayne down. You know, uh, and you wonder, what is it like? Cuba is greatly repressed, but they are the most joyful, celebrative, the, the worst. I've never, you know, I travel the world, never seen any church more excited to worship Jesus Christ. And uh, this is Pastor Juan, and just notice him a little bit, then I'll show you the crowd. I think you'll be encouraged by this. <laughs> man, I got to work on my moves, don't I? You as well, probably. That's so exciting, man. I just like, ah. I was thinking this morning, waking up going, that's happening right now in Cuba. I love it. But it was beautiful to worship in our own church this morning. So many meetings that we were in. This is our team getting ready to share. Here's Wayne. He's sharing. You're going to hear from Wayne in a little bit. Uh, this was special. This is Pastor Austin. And um, Years ago, his father, Doug, one of my best friends, was in that exact place, in that exact same pulpit, and he gave his I Have a Dream speech where he said God has given him a vision to start 600 baseball teams in Cuba. And I'm getting ready to preach the main message. I remember in that moment looking up and I go, did "Did Doug just say 600? He never told me about that. And I was shocked by this vision. Well, Doug, you know, since has gone home to be with the Lord, but now it's like 1600 teams in Cuba have been started through that vision. Incredible. And so this was emotional for me to see Austin in that pulpit talking about his daddy, Um, you know, brought me to tears and it was just a a beautiful moment. What God is doing in Cuba is so exciting. So many are turning to Jesus. The stories are phenomenal, phenomenal. And so this is one story you're going to hear. I didn't know all the stories, you know, because it's in Spanish. They're testifying. This is about, I I tried to get our other guys to baptize. They threw me into the tank, Pastor Juan. He's like, no, you got to baptize. But at any rate, um, uh, so the water was a little scary when you look at it. But at any rate, the beauty of what God's doing there, I think you'll be encouraged. What an honor to baptize you, my sister. In the name of the Father. In the name of the Son. In the name of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.
1: Hallelujah.
0: right now baptizing many you know god is the god of the miraculous this woman we just baptized her testimony she came to jesus because her grandson was raised from the dead.
1: And this moved her, obviously,
0: so deeply. She committed her life to Christ, and and now she's following Jesus. Her grandson has come to Christ. And uh, this is what, I guess, is not totally typical. It's a miracle, but this is what God is doing. Everyone has a different story. Thank you for praying for the the Church of Cuba and supporting all these workers that are just serving God. And what a beautiful time to just see these enter into the waters of baptism, testimony of what Jesus is doing all throughout
1: Cuba. Hallelujah
0: Hey. Right. Yes. You know, um, in the midst of the spiritual battle that is in Cuba and, and satanic uh, attack on, on people, God meets people in their greatest need in the miraculous. This is what I see. Uh, wherever I travel, where Satan is worshiped, God shows up in power. And uh, the basis, though, of it all is prayer and fasting. I have yet to travel to any country, and we support pastors in 16 countries where there are movements of God. It would take me an entire hour to talk to you about what God is doing, to define a movement which is Holy Spirit birthed, and it's miraculous, and it leads the churches planted by the thousands and sees millions turning to Jesus truly. Uh, It all comes from men and women like this who are praying and fasting. I mean radical prayer and fasting. And so at this point, I want Wright Wayne to come up and share with you some of his experience. Give it up for my brother Wayne.
1: All right. Oh, so Mark asked us to, as we were going through the week keep track of the most impactful moments and this for me and as uh, we found out later as the team was debriefing at the end of the trip this impacted everybody on the team so this is Hilda Lisa this is Juan's wife and every morning she gets up at 3 a.m. and starts praying and she showed us the calluses on her knees I mean this lady spends a lot of time on her knees praying to God and so we had heard about this and then we asked her or she told us she had a prayer journal and we asked well can we see the prayer journal so she started flipping through these pages and this is like you know a college composition notebook there's a lot of pages in there every single page was full from the top to the bottom and she was just flipping through it and it was incredible and she said that her And then she has a team of uh, elderly ladies that comes to the church every morning. They go through this whole book every morning. So another impactful point here was, you know, the providence of God. And I just happened to be talking to a friend at work a couple of days before we left. And he shared with me that he had just gone to Cuba on a cruise. And he said that somebody had told him to take writing journals because they need a lot of stuff to write on. Well, I go home, I get on Amazon, I get a couple of cases of journals sent to my house, and I get them packed in and got my suitcase weighed out at 49.5 pounds, just <laughs> perfect. <laughs> and so we a- I asked Hilda Lisa, it was like the next day, I said, well, do all the women who pray also have a journal? And she said, No. They don't have journals. They can't afford them. They don't have them. So lo and behold, we gave Hilda Lisa a case of journals for her team. And I bet they're writing them out right now. All right. We caught a glimpse of Elizabeth. And this picture was taken on Monday. We went back and we uh, shared some more stories We didn't see Elizabeth uh, worshiping in that clip with Juan, but you have to take my word for it. On Sunday, when this woman started worshiping, it was incredible. Dancing back and forth, singing with abandon to our Lord. And so, Monday night, I went up to her and I, you know, through the interpreter, because I don't speak Espanol, I told her how impactful her Worship was to me and I told her and this is true. I'll never forget it. It was that incredible well, that in turn, you know made her emotional and uh, Long story short. I shared a, a picture of me and Delia and our family And she said I will pray for you for the rest of my life Yeah. so Again, providence of God Seeing the day before Hilda Lisa and understanding her prayer life and then taking a hard look at my own and thinking, wow, am I falling short? So I needed a prayer accountability partner. So I have committed to praying for Elizabeth every day for the rest of my life. And I will. All right. And so here we have in the center in the blue shirt, Elardia. And he came up to me after the service and after all the baptisms were done and, and said that my testimony really spoke to him. And when I started my testimony, uh, something that Delia and I learned in our blended families ministry is that our scars can heal other people. And as I was preparing to give my testimony, it's embarrassing and embarrassing. I didn't quite want to do it all, but the Holy Spirit told me there's going to be somebody in that audience who needs to hear it. Well it was this guy. Um, His friends here on the outside, they've been trying to get him to come to church for months. And they've been talking to him and talking to him, and they told him this was going to be a big Sunday. There were visitors coming, uh, there's going to be baptisms, and that God would move in his life. Well. God did move in his life, and he told me uh, that my testimony now makes him understand what people say when they're born again. So we prayed, we encouraged each other, and I encouraged him that he would never, ever regret making a decision to follow Christ and to surrender his heart to the Lord. So those were my impactful moments.
0: Thank you, Wayne. Each of the guys, it was tremendous to be able to take them to Cuba, and I wanna take more of you guys around the world. I'll tell you about that later. Um, But we start, you know, early. You're getting up really early, and it's usually at least 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. going hard. And, uh, but they did an incredible job, each of them. Um, I thank you for praying for me. Hilda Lisa, uh, I've known for about 12 years. She prays for me and Juan every day, I pray for them. She showed me some of in her journaling, just Mark and Tracy, our whole family, uh, just praying. She starts 3 a.m. and prays till sunrise. Juan tells me many times, Mark, she will get up at 1 a.m. and pray till sunrise. She is the leader for prayer. Every movement of God is initiated by prayer and fasting. And it's the same in Cuba, praise the Lord. You give so many gifts, you're so generous, and I thank you. This is a picture, 12 years ago, I brought James with me, actually I did not, at that time, I brought in his guitar, he said, Dad, I wanna give you my guitar. And I brought it in, I was like, where should I give it? And a long story, I gave it to this young little girl, and now she has since grown up. And, And she saw James there, first time to Cuba, and she remembered that this is the boy, I showed her a picture that is now grown up, that, and so, she brought James up and showed the guitar, and James was like, "This was a miracle because he goes, it's in better shape now than it was then," <laughs> and he was blown away. And now she is the worship leader for the church. <laughs> so the gifts you give—this is cell phone, and you know, um, you gave me cameras. I uh, th- these change the lives of people that we give them to. Uh, This is all of them holding up a little medicine. Uh, Keith and Kathy, I don't know if you're here. Thank you for giving all that. Just many of you give gifts. And whether it goes to Mexico or wherever, it's huge, the impact. Uh, Many times, this is AJ and the team. We would go around uh, during the day to different house churches and just show up. I call it drive-by blessings. And we would hear the stories of these pastors. And then we would pray for them. We would help them financially and just bless them. Uh this is Pastor Angel for example. I met him 4 years ago when I was last in Cuba and we walk into this house church that he had just started. It had no doors or windows and I it was just it would break your heart if you saw it and this is it right now. It's since, you know, developed. Uh but when I walked in, I said, "Where do you stay?" And he says, "And he sleeps on one of the pews, the hard wooden pew." And he's not only pastoring the church, but he's guarding it at night so no one will, you know, bring vandalism to the church. And then when he saw me, he goes, Pastor Mark, he goes, look, God has now given me a bed And this is right behind his pulpit, you know, this bed where he preaches, and he was so excited. And, uh, you know, then he had told me, he goes, I said, what's going on in your life? He goes, God has given me the opportunity to go three hours away to a place called Holguin, where there is no church at all. And this is his quote. He said, from my hands to my feet, I dedicate myself to God. I'm willing to go to Holguin right now to bring the gospel to a place where there is no power, there's no electricity, and there is no church. And we just hear that, and I just go, would you be willing to go for the Lord Jesus Christ, where there's no power, no church, and bring the gospel? I love Isn't that a great picture? Pastor Angel, pray for him. This is Pastor Luisito. Oh man, his story. And again, we support him, we do. Some of you can adopt him if you want to. Uh, In the future here, a couple months, we'll get these profiles out. So at age 16, he was sent to maximum security prison for 26 years because he lived a life of crime and he was caught with a gun in Cuba. So into his sentence, four years in prison, he said, God, if you exist, please save me. And a fellow prisoner said, you need to read the Bible. And he said, I never looked at the Bible. He said I read Psalm 23 and realized God exists and believed on Jesus right then and there. He and the other prisoner had the Bible were the only two believers in the entire prison. He started studying the Bible with abandon and then he started Bible studies, training, teaching the Bible to other prisoners. Eventually, watch this, he started 19 Bible studies in that prison, different groups. He, sent, he served eight of his 26 years and was released because of good behavior. <laughs> They're like, man, I think you're rehabilitated, you know? Now, watch this, he's one of our church planners. His ministry target are all the prisons in, you know, around there in Cuba. He goes into the prisons, leads all these felons to Christ, and then raises them up to be church planners so that with their good behavior, they get released to have a purpose. And now they're planning churches all over Cuba. It's incredible. He's written his own five-like little booklet discipleship series. And uh, someone in this room gave quite a bit of money to support that ministry. Five A hundred sets of this material. Thank you for that. Amazing. Uh, This is Pastor Uni. We support him. He is just a joy. He doesn't know a lick of English, but you're going to hear him try to speak English here in a second. He is raised in a family where his father abandoned him when he was a young boy. He got very bitter. He turned into boxing and violence and anger. He then worked as a carpenter and he cut off two of his fingers. You'll notice two of his fingers are missing. Well, he ended up at Juan's church and heard the gospel for the first time, turned his life to Jesus Christ. He's now a church planner that we support. In a few months, you're going to hear his whole story because James is doing a special feature on his life. But I asked him, I said, could you please tell everyone in our church just a thank you to Three Crosses? And this is him, not knowing English, doing his best And again, this guy has a great sense of humor.
1: Video it. Thank you, three crosses.
0: We're with unity. He is the man. This guy is just tearing it up for Jesus. And uh, what are we going to say again? Thank you, three crosses. Thank you, three crosses. Now, this is his wife and him. Is that just the most precious picture ever? I mean, they are a joy to be around. All these Cuban pastors, they're an absolute joy in the midst of so many difficulties. They smile. He's, he's like, this car behind him, he is trying to fix up. I, Wayne, how do I describe? They do and use everything. The gas tank is right here next to the steering wheel. You do not want to smoke in this car ever <laughs> Don't ask me how, they just use everything, you know, to just kind of get things rolling. And uh, that's awesome. So Pastor Juan said uh, to him, you're a boxer, you're a strong man, let's, he gave him a challenge. He said, there's a 14 story building. There's not one Christian in this building and not one Christian around this area. Why don't you go there, uni, and see if you can evangelize the building and start a house church in that building. So James and I, now watch this. This building is filled with communists. It's filled with actually military. It's against the law to do this, okay? So he got, James and I had to sneak into this building late at night to join this church plant. I, James, I only brought James with me. And, uh, and, and this is their, their church. They, he's led over 20 people to Christ in that building And they didn't tell me, but one of the dudes I baptized was a colonel in the army that he led to Christ in that building that's in that room right now, okay? Uh, We may need to blur that video for this video uh, later. But at any rate, um, this I want to share with you a little bit about the culture of uh, just Cuba to give you an understanding of what's going on there. This is a meal of extravagant love that was prepared for us by Hilda Lisa, Pastor Juan's wife. It, I saw it and I started crying. Um, the average Cuban makes $23 a month. Um, most Cubans will eat one meal a day. And usually it's dinner. They might have a little coffee, a little something to drink in the morning. Um, that's all they can afford. Rice here that was served in this meal, they had to drive all the way to Havana, eight hours to just get the rice. The chicken they served for this meal, they had to go to another state to bring in the chicken. We went to restaurants that didn't even have chicken to serve to us. They wanted to do something very special last night and serve us lobster. And they drove 12 hours to the far west of the island to buy the lobster. This is all in the black market. They hid the lobster in the side panels of the door. Cubans are not allowed to eat lobster. It's against the law. They're also not allowed to eat red meat. It's against the law. You can go to jail for that. It's reserved only for the tourists. Yeah. They hid, they also brought children in this vehicle to be a kind of a distraction for the different police checkpoints on the way back. They got that lobster all the way back. It's an amazing display of affection and love, and they want us to enjoy the food. It's like you don't want to even eat it. You just want to give it to them, but no, 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 you honor them by enjoying the food. This is Pastor Juan holding up his family's monthly ration of coffee. Cubans live on a ration system. They make $23 a month, and then from that money, they use it to buy their rations. Okay? This is what they're allowed per month. I'll just give you a taste of this, no pun intended. One pound of chicken uh, per month, one pound of beans, five pounds of rice per person in the family, one bar of hand soap, one small portion of laundry soap, a few grams of salt, less than one bottle of cooking oil, three pounds of white sugar, 11 ounces of brown sugar, nine eggs, This lasts anywhere from seven to nine days. This is one of the lines that you see all over Cuba, one of the thousands of ration lines where all Cubans wait to get food. It's incredibly demoralizing. This is a cow that I took a picture of. All cows are property of the state. You can only use the milk of a cow. At 5 a.m., the state takes the first milk. They literally come around and take the milk after you've milked the cow. You get the second milking at 3 p.m. That's yours as a family to use. If you kill a cow and take it to eat, that is 25 years in prison immediately. Cubans are not allowed to eat red meats. They are allowed, though, to have a pig if you live in a rural area. You cannot have a pig or raise a pig if you live in the city. Here's Pastor Ismail, and he, he said to me, Pastor, uh, I said, how are things going? He said, in just this last week, four individuals came to me and said, Pastor, pray for me because I am contemplating leaving my family, getting on a raft, and floating to the United States. If you remember in 1993, Fidel Castro said, you want to leave? Go ahead and leave, 100,000 Cubans sought to leave right off Havana, right off where we were staying, and go float to the United States. 75,000 of them died in the ocean. And conditions right now are so difficult in Cuba, it's like it was in the 90s, all the pastors were saying. And people are starting to float, and they are dying, and it's difficult. There are many reasons for this, which I'm not gonna get into, because most of them are political, and I'm not gonna get into that. To just share with you again the insanity of socialism, the insanity of communism, Uh, I came out of my room, this is in Havana, we're on the eighth floor, right Wayne? Seventh, seventh floor, and I walk out of my door and and I run into this dear woman who was the maid coming in and she was walking up the stairs, you know, and I, I saw her and she was just full of sweat. And I, I said, and, I, and I saw her go to our door where she was going, the maid. And, and I said to her, I said, ma'am, I said, did you just walk up the stairs? And she said, yes. I said, how come you didn't use the elevator? She said, elevators, not for Cubans, only tourists. And she came in and, I mean, it so just ripped me up. That night I came back and I found, I, or actually I, I went right back in later, that later in the day. And I found her, as I do to anyone who's working these kind of jobs. I slipped her a $10 bill. Half a month's salary, put my arm around her, took this picture, and just blessed her. Just like, wow. Um, Wayne, why don't you come up and tell about, this is also another moment in Wayne's uh, impact.
1: So this is uh, Luis and his wife, Danya, And we had the pleasure of, uh, as Mark said, doing a drive-by blessing to Luis and his wife at their church. But we also had the real privilege of having Luis join us for our ride from Camaway out to Havana, which was about eight hours. Uh, Donya was already there visiting her father. And what impacted me about Luis, both at his home and on the ride, was just how hardworking this young man was. Uh, he was the pentathlete. And he's still built like a little fire plug. Uh, when he was showing his church, you could tell he was taking great pride. I, I think he's barely 30 years old, and he's built it up from nothing. And it kind of broke my heart when we were going, you know, behind the church. We were in his home where him and his family stay, and he was apologizing because some of the paint had come off the walls. And it turns out that just due to conditions, they can't get paint to really stick to the concrete for very long. So they're constantly painting and it's coming off. And it just broke my heart that here's a young man who's accomplished so much and he's apologizing for the paint in his house. Um, Louis shared with me on the ride to Havana, again through an interpreter, that the Sunday when we were visiting Juan's church, there was a young man who came to his church at the behest of the young man's sister. This young man had not spoken a word in six months, and nobody knew why. But at his, at his sister's urging, he came to the church, and he started speaking, and he later told his sister that he felt God talking to him and telling him he needs to start speaking. So hallelujah and praise God for this young man feeling the Holy Spirit and uh, starting to speak again. And then lastly, there's a a lot of incredible young couples who are leading these church planting movements. And I watch a little TV there and you see little ads on buses or store windows. Cuba is an incredibly, I guess, well, they have a lot of divorce. We heard the divorce rate was 70%. And this includes pastors. And so you see the advertisement and it's just full of sexuality. I mean, it makes ours look like Sunday school, to be honest. So we need to be praying for these young families who are planning churches, who are in the midst of this just incredible sexual uh, community or, or nation. They really need our prayer, but also take heart that God is raising up many young church planners like Luis and Danya.
0: Yeah. Cuba has the highest divorce rate in the world. We need to pray for Cuba. Uh, This is Oscar and Austin. This is one of the baseball ministries through Doug, really, the vision that Doug kind of had. I mean, God birthed it. There are multiple baseball ministries now throughout Cuba. To just show you the impact of sports in Cuba, this guy, Oscar, he drove, watched this two and a half hours to get that much of baseball equipment. They don't have baseball equipment in Cuba. It's just, it's so rare. And he was telling me about his ministry. 3,000 kids came to Christ in one week through their baseball ministry. Yep. You want to give to Baseball Equipment for Cuba, let's talk. Let's talk about a ministry that we can have there. So this is a pig roast. We had this for the pastors. This is a huge treat for the pastors to be able to eat. It was such a joy for us to do this for them, to provide this for them, and then to just see them eating pork to their delight with joy in their faces. Uh, You can make your own conclusion from this picture. I did that for you. Okay, let's keep moving along. We're going from the east to the west. Now we're gonna move to another province called Sancti Spiritus, and this is Pastor Arnel. This is one of the leaders uh, for the the, the church planners that we support. Uh, There are three primary leaders, Juan and then Arnel. You'll meet another in a second here. So he started in this area, with five churches planted, and now watch, there are 316, all right? And we heard all sorts of testimonies from these five church planters in his area. This is them waving, saying hi to you. I asked Pastor Arnell, I said, what is your greatest need uh, right now? And he said this, he says, Pastor, we have 316 pastors, and only seven of them have transportation. They will walk, many of them, as much as 30 miles one way to get to where they're planting a church. One of the greatest difficulties in Cuba for church planning is this, the government won't let you have a church, so they have to buy homes. How do you buy a home when you're making $23 a month to start a church? Well, you look, as a little bit later, we'll look for a person of peace, someone that would be willing to let you um, come into their home, which they do but oftentimes you still need to travel from where you are living to there. And it's very difficult when you don't have transportation. So I was like, well, who needs, is, is there anyone who needs a bike? Cause we could help with a bike right now or give maybe a few of them a bike, that's $200. And uh, so he went back there and he asked the pastors, uh, we were eating a meal and they went to where the pastors were and any of you need a bike? And one couple just, we desperately need a bike. So we got them that bike. But then uh, then then 12, 12 of them, you know, they're all they're couples, raised their hand and said, But we need tires. They couldn't even afford tires. And so we provided 12 tires for them along with this bike for this pastor. This is Pastor Palayo. And by the way, he grew up in a Santer- Santeria home. Never heard of Jesus. He got deathly sick, was on his deathbed dying when a church planner came to the hospital, prayed for him. He was totally healed. He said, I've got to go to church. I need to know this Jesus. He goes into a house church and he's saying to the person to his right, I want to give my life to Jesus. And they said, you got to wait for the altar call. He said, I can't wait. I want to give my life to Jesus. said, wait, don't worry. He goes, I'm going. Walks up front and says, I want to give my life to Jesus. Surrender his life to Jesus. Yeah. Gave his life to Christ. That's called being called into ministry, you know, right then. Saved. He's now one of the church planners that we support. His wife and him were thrilled to drive home on a bike, man. I love this dog. (laughs) I saw him at a restaurant. I'm like, dude, I love your teeth. If I could have that kind of teeth, man, I would be the man. You know what I'm saying? I just love this little guy. Okay, we're moving our way all the way to Havana, which is the capital. Right here. There's Havana. Havana. And uh, we're going to tell you some stories here. So this is the capital. Capital is beautiful. By the way, only if you're born in the capital uh, of Havana can you go to Havana. The only, you can't just travel throughout Cuba. No way. Unless you have special abilities and you give pay, the right paperwork. And if you're moving in the east, live there, you can't just travel. It's, you know, it's communism, socialism. Yeah. So this is us at the capital. Again, they're stuck in the 30s and the 50s. It's just like going back into time when you go there. You've got all these classic cars. They use these for taxis, and it actually is a lot of fun. Uh, and here's Wayne, you know, and they just line them up for tourists, really. Uh, here's kind of just an, a road experience. Well, it's a little picture of downtown Havana, Cuba, and uh, see a little bit of the life that goes on here. Hopefully this will help you connect a little bit more with this country. What it looks like, at least in the city, maybe be an encouragement to you to pray for Cuba. Check it out. Awesome. Okay, that, that's right across the street from the Capitol. That's in the nicest business kind of district. This now, uh, this is Pastor Gabriel. This is like the third pastor that our church planners all fall within these leaders. And I was like, tell us your story. And so he says, I was born into a Baptist family. This is one of the few that you hear that. My grandfather was Baptist. My father was Baptist. My mother was Baptist. And my brothers are Baptist. I said, is your car Baptist? And he said, no, my car is a Pentecostal because it makes loud noises and spits out fire and smoke. I mean, he said that so quick. I'm like, I love this guy. I love this guy. I jumped into his car, and now we're going to be taken on a ride. And this is really what Cuba looks like, uh, one of the heart of it. Much well, more you're poor. Well, the streets in Cuba as we are making our way towards some meetings. And uh, just let you take this in, this is downtown Havana, where nearly 2 million people live. And the gospel's going out in power. And just as you're taking this in, I pray that you'd be encouraged to... Pray for Cuba, pray for the pastors that are serving here, that are taking the gospel all over this area. Thanks so much for praying. I asked Pastor Gabriel, as we uh, listened to many of his church planners, and his church is just up there a little bit on the left-hand side, I said, how are things going in your church? And he said this, a very insightful statement, and I loved it, and a great summary. I've been to Cuba 14 times. And this was a fantastic summary. He said, Havana, especially Havana, has the best and the worst of people. thought, brilliant. He said, 150,000 people live within a few blocks of my church, around my church. Homes have 15 to 20 families living in them, and each family has an altar to Santeria, spiritism, and witchcraft. I said, well, what is that like? He said, "Well, many slaughter goats and spread the blood all over this neighborhood and on our church, seeking to cast a curse on our fellowship." He said, "Each week I am casting out demons." He goes, "I'm a Baptist. I never dreamed that this is what he's from the east and he's come to or, or front, Yes, from the east and he's come to Havana to start this ministry, and he's like, I can't believe what I'm." experiencing i said well can you give me an example he goes well a young man high in santaria would dig up bodies in the local cemetery to use to cast spells on people his father came to our church asking if i would please bring a bible into his home and cast the demons out of his son now both the father and the son have been baptized and they're serving in our church He said, this happens all the time, Pastor. Here's Pastor Dennis. We support him after you hear his story. You may want to support him. He's 39 years of age. He was raised by his father to be the priest for his family of Santeria, witchcraft. And I asked him, what is that like growing up? He said he would slash his hands and his side and his back with knives, drawing blood to please the gods. He said, I would place gunpowder on my body and light it on fire. Many times he said, the heads of goats and other animals were in our homes. There were multiple idols that filled our homes. As a family, we would always use marijuana and meth. He, 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 He witnessed many, many manifestations of the enemy, demons. He said, many times, our entire house would shake like an earthquake was happening. My mother was was slight, very skinny. And she would just start to supernaturally spin around and around and around, in, in, in going crazy. And this I would witness. He said, I went out into the streets with a machete all the time looking for people, anyone to attack. I had supernatural strength. I feared no one. Everyone feared me. One day, a gang member, he said, killed my best friend. I planned to go kill that gang member. In revenge, I took a gun on my way to kill that other gang member. Another friend of mine came to me and said, you must come to church. I'd never been to church. He drugged me, literally, to church. And the pastor in the service said, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. He said, no one loves me and no one has a good plan for my life except my father who wants me to be the priest of Santeria, And he goes, my heart began to melt right then. I felt the change happening. He said, I took the gun, and I went from that church service, and I went to kill the gang member. But I decided not to do it. And I said to that gang member, looking right into his eyes, I am not afraid of you, and God loves me and has a wonderful plan for my life. (laughs) Jesus changed my life right then. I prayed, Jesus, change me. And he changed me right then. And then he looked at me, and he goes, and now I'm one of your church planners. I'm like, what? So I gave him this church. I brought one See's Candy shirt, which I had. I saved it until the last day. I didn't know why. It's like, who God do I give this to? Uh, and I said, Dennis, this is your shirt. Because it has a racing car in the back. Every racing car has a powerful engine. Now you are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. God's power is in you. To do your ministry and now he is his ministry is to reach santeria for christ and he is doing it by the hundreds i asked the pastor i said pastor uh can i go to the home of a santeria they're all filled with idols i want to go he's like don't get that one often and i said just james and i i go we will just go i wanted him for his camera so we walked out the door pastor said yes There's a woman, she's been attending our church. She's not given her life to Jesus. She sent full-blown Santeria. He sent someone over there, got permission. She said, yes, pastor can come into my house. We walked out. Now this is a Santeria. They all dress in white. And and he was walking down the streets casting curses on the church and the area. And I caught him on video and you'll notice he sensed something was happening. He turned around, looked right at me. I want you to see this and he lets us walk by. We walk down further into a hallway down a long corridor. I passed one house, there's an idol on the ground protecting that house. We come into the home which we're invited into and you can see some of the idols, they're dolls, many of them that are really freaky dolls used for protection and also worship. We walked in and this is right in the front door and then this is the woman You can see all the dolls, witchcraft items behind her they use for their practice. Normally I would not sit down, but because she was coming to Jesus and I sensed the case, I sat down with her, extending love to her, letting her know I love her. I stood with them and I asked, I said, can I pray for you in the name of Jesus? And they both said yes. And I prayed, I did pray in jesus name uh we walked out the door and this man was right on the floor being attacked by the enemy he right did, here yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. right in the
0: middle of the street up? we kept walking up the street and the pastor saw this man walking toward him his name is josvani And the pastor said, one week ago, this man came to our church. He walked into the church door and he says, I don't believe in your God. I don't believe that you have the power to deliver me of demons. But if you can, would you please pray for me? Because I am done with this torment. He goes, I still don't believe that your prayers will help. And the man in faith said this. He goes, I tell you what, let's start with my hands. Pray for my hands. They're all cut up with knives and everything. And he said, if you can pray for my hands and heal my hands, I'll believe in your Jesus. The pastor began to pray for his hands. In two days, they were completely healed. And this man gave his life to Jesus. And now he's going to that church. I looked at his hands. They were, they were beautiful. <clears throat> we need to pray for Pastor Gabriel and the pastors we support in Cuba. We can look at Cuba and just, it is beautiful on the outside. But on the inside, there is a level of darkness that we need to be praying for all of the pastors. This is Pastor Dennis, by the way, this guy whose mission, his dream is to reach Santeria for Christ. And we went here because this property is in the hearts of where Santeria are. And and for $4,500, he can buy a lot and build a church there. That's his dream, he shared it with me. Um, I wanna share with you this picture because this one perfectly illustrates, and it's not often that you get a picture like this. And I'm so glad we were able to bring our team to this is rural area of um, Havana, and you wonder how is it that so many thousands of house churches uh, are springing up all over the world. And this is a perfect example of what happens. So here we have the pastor and his wife, and here is a quite imposing guy, uh, and and it it his name his name is Oslando, and pastor. Lardis is in the middle. And so what happens here is that you have a pastor, a church planter who has a heart to plant a church where there is no church. And he will walk into an area and pray for an area. And he's looking for a person of peace. This is in Luke chapter 10. Read about it later. And a person of peace is someone who will invite you into their home and share a meal with you and like be open to learning about God. And so Pastor Lardis and his wife walk into this community, praying, they want to start a church, and actually, they knew this gentleman. Because earlier in Havana, uh, he ended up leading him, well, closer to the Lord. This man right here, or or, Oslando, was literally, watch this, a a guard. He, he He was Fidel Castro's personal bodyguard for like three years, if I have that right. And, and lived in the world and, and was talking about he had womenized. He was an alcoholic. Then he met the pastor. And anyway, long story, God reunited them. And I looked at Oslando I said, you are the person of peace. So the pastor and his wife and his son moved into this home. Oslando said, come and live in my home. And then just outside their house is this. This is the church. It's a temporary church. But they're meeting, this is how the church is born all over the world. The United States is the exception. We plant like physical buildings called churches. The majority world does not do that. We are the anomaly. We are the exception. Remember the book of Acts. There are no churches until the third century AD. The church was born in the home everything you read about the New Testament, the book of Acts, when it talks about church, it's a house church. And the movement around the world that is seeing millions won to Christ, honestly, is not what the United States is doing. It's in the homes. Not that what we're doing is wrong. It's just that there are many reasons why we do what we do, which I don't need to go into, but it's an amazing thing. There are 3,500 House churches planted every single week around the world because you have a person of peace that invites you into the home, a Bible study gets started there, neighbors that have never heard of Jesus come to Christ, and a house church gets planted, and they multiply like rabbits, and it's exciting. This is the pastor's son who just happened to be listening, and I said, what's going on with you? He said, I just graduated from college, but the Lord is calling me to be a church planter. I said, well, how have you been doing? He goes, I just went up into the mountains where there are no, uh, no people that have ever heard of Jesus. And I saw 13 people, I think he said, came to know Christ. I said, what is your dream, young man? He says, my dream is to be a, a pastor, a church planner." I said, that's your dream? And he goes, it's my dream, but I don't have the funds. I said, now you do. He's our, I said, you get us the, the information we need. And uh, he's a guy we're going to be supporting, sending him into the work. This is a big guy. This is Monty Sosa. Uh, He leads one of the baseball ministries we support. Watch this. Since he started his ministry, two million Cuban youth have been exposed to Christ. 250,000 have turned to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. It's amazing what God's doing. Um, I'm looking at my time. I don't have the time. That woman right there, she looks like your grandma, right? She was the most feared Santeria priestess for a community of 180,000 people. Her family feared her. And on her deathbed, Pastor Asmani Sosa went to visit her, and she said, I'm done with the demons. I want to give my life to Jesus. He, said, he led her in a salvation prayer. He says, if you're really serious about this, let's burn all your witchcraft items. She said, yes, my son knows where they are. Six Uh, (laughs) trunks full of witchcraft items were brought together as a big bonfire. She was baptized. Her name was Lydia. The pastor said, we're going to baptize when you come up out of the water. You will now be known as Miracle. Her name is Miracle. She serves in the church and they're honoring her right there. (laughs) Who is that guy? You see, this is the thing, I travel so much around the world, Tracy and I have a thing, we try to get the most crazy-like pictures we can, and so I'm passing this on to you. This is missionary humor, okay? So you travel, if you can get a great picture, snap it, because they're gonna, they'll take it from you, and then send it to me, and I'll enter you into my contest. <laughs> hey, that's pretty good, isn't it? I don't know, yeah, okay. This is Revolution Square. This is our team. That's Che. Probably the most iconic revolutionary, probably, well, for Cuba, for sure, maybe the most recognized revolutionary in history. You see shirts everywhere of Che. I don't have time to go into his history. Uh, But what I just want to say is this. Let's not pray for Che. Let's pray for the spiritual revolution that is taking place all through Cuba. Amen? Jesus said, I will build my church. The gates of Hades will not overcome it. Is happening in Cuba. There is a revolution happening and you guys are a part of it. You are fueling it through your giving and your praying at three crosses. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, so much more could be said, but what you have said is what you wanted to be shared. And I just pray that you take these words, you encourage our hearts. You let us know that you are the God over all evil. You are God sovereign. You are God over the nations. Whether it's communism, socialism, whatever it is, doesn't matter, governments, you're over it all. You are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and you're building your church. And it's thrilling to see what you are doing and to be part of it here in Castro Valley and around the world. Lord, I pray that you would encourage our lives this morning. Let us know whatever's going on in our lives. We're part of something bigger If we're not a part of the big thing, man, we need to wake up and become part of this. I pray that you would move more of us to travel, to go, to certainly give, to give and pray, and maybe begin praying and fasting, starting prayerless. Whatever you said to us this morning, Lord, I pray that you would move us to be a people that are part of the Great Commission, engage in the greatest spiritual battle for which Jesus Christ died and rose from the grave so men and women could be set free. There are people all over the United States that are caught up in bondage. It's called materialism, Lord. And it's keeping them from the kingdom of God and they are going straight to hell. Wake us up, Lord. Wake us up as a nation, I pray, oh God. Help us to see you, Jesus. Show up in power I pray in families and in homes and throughout this nation, Lord, we are so divided. I pray for our country. It's a a ploy of the enemy to keep our eyes off the cross, that we fight against each other and keep our eyes off of Jesus or never see Jesus. Lord, let there be greater courageousness and a willingness to pray and sacrifice and go so our neighbors and communities and churches, Lord, would be about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you for what you're doing in Cuba. Lord, you're doing throughout the world, and I just pray you continue to move in our lives, Lord. Bring healing where there needs to be healing, Lord. Set people free where they need to be set free, Lord. You can do that work even right now. You know what's going on in our lives. Let us come to you, the risen Savior, the Deliverer, the one who is able to do beyond what we could ever ask or imagine. You're that God. Let you be that God in our lives even now. Lord, do your work. We love you. Praise your name and all God's people said. Amen.